Matthew 26. I want to be saved. That's the most important thing. I don't have to be right. I need to be saved. I just want to be saved. I'm going to skim through some of this. So if you can't follow along, I understand. But I'm going to try to condense it for the sake of time. We're going to begin with verse 33 of chapter 26. And Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Verse 47 of the same chapter. While he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. Forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Verse 74 of the same chapter. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, this being the third time that Peter denied to Christ. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter commanded the word, remember the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Verse, chapter 27, verse 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then G Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. He cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed and went and hanged himself. My subject this morning, the day destiny was decided. The day destiny was decided. The Lord is going to speak to someone today. Would you lift your hands and help me? Lord Jesus, I pray for every heart, every mind, every soul. God, there are people here today that you are reaching for. There are hearts here this morning that you don't want to walk out of here the same way that they came. I take dominion right now in the name of Jesus over every defiant spirit that would hold somebody back. I take dominion in the name of Jesus over every spirit of opposition, over the spirit of rebellion, over every prideful spirit. I take dominion in the name of Jesus. I lose, Lord, mercy, obedience, revelation. Oh, do the work in this place this morning. We thank you for it. And everyone claps their hands unto the Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. Truly the Word of God is unique in origin and its content. It is comprised of instruction, revelation, poetry, history, and much, much more. But perhaps no other books of the Bible speak 
more detailed or give more insight of Jesus than the Gospels do. You see, the Gospels provide us with an insider's view into the life of Jesus Christ. We see the curious nature of Jesus as a child as he leaves the side of his parents only to be found in the temple about his father's business. We see the vocational skills of a carpenter as Joseph, no doubt, taught Jesus the craft that he had masterfully honed. The relationship between a mother and son is revealed when they ran out of wine at the marriage Cana. And Jesus yielded to the demands of a mother and did what needed to be done. As a teacher, he left so many people in amazement as fresh words flowed from his lips, such as they have never heard before. We could extend this list with ease as we visit various roles that Jesus filled. We see him as a healer as a miracle worker, as a servant, and as a savior. We gain our view of Jesus through what we read in this holy book. But there were 12 that saw him from a different angle. These men walked with him. They prayed with him. They ate with him. They fellowshiped with him. Twelve men, disciples, so aptly put. They not only knew him as all of the above, but they knew him as their friend. They saw him in ways that no one else saw. They saw him when his quote-unquote hair was down and he was relaxed. Perhaps the two most well-known of all of the disciples are Peter and Judas. Peter was loud boisterous and fearless, and Judas seemingly timid, passive, and reserved. Judas is labeled in our minds, not for all the good that Judas perhaps did, but Judas is known as a traitor. He gets the bad rap for betraying Jesus. We have pigeonholed Judas. That's what we know Judas as, but In reality, Peter went beyond Judas' actions because he betrayed Jesus three times. His actions were just as, if not worse, than Judas. Yet in our minds, Peter is not defined by that moment. Peter is known as a man of faith. Peter is known as a preacher on the day of Pentecost. We preach about the good and not the bad. The same mistake, the same day, yet different destinies. Sounds impossible, yet it still happens today because there are people here today who have fellowshiped in his presence. The same moves of God, the same word, the same 
power. Perhaps some of the same struggles and problems. But understand this with me before we go any further. Destiny is not determined by what happens on the outside. Destiny is determined by what happens on the inside. Same, just as the disciples. We struggle with the same things. We struggle with the same problems. We battle a lot of the same spirits. Nobody in here has walked through life thus far and not had to fight at something. Every one of us knows what it's like to have to fight. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I know that this is, a, this is a startling truth, but it gives us comfort to some degree. It lets me know that I'm not by myself. It lets me know that this struggle is not just me. I, I'm in this thing with everybody. We all struggle. We all fight. And surely we can all relate to Peter and Judas. Surely we could put ourselves in their shoes. We've been where they were, where we felt like we let God down. We've been where they were when we felt like everything around us was in ruins. We had made mistakes. We made problems. Everything about it gets us down. We look sometimes at God as some angry tyrant pushing us away. But the reality is quite different. The first thing you must understand is that your destiny is not decided by anyone other than you. Just you. Just you. Destiny. Now hear me. I'm not referring to a lifelong dream. I'm not referring to a vocation or a position or a level of social status. I'm talking about who you can become in God. I'm talking about your spiritual destiny, your position in the kingdom of God. There are people that will point fingers and say, well, this is the reason. This person is the reason. This circumstance is the reason. Prisons are full of people who wasn't their fault. This is why I did it. This person made me do it. This circumstance, my childhood, my parents, this and this. And and they point to fingers. You understand me this morning. When it comes to your walk with God, you can point no fingers at anyone other than yourself. You. You, not your husband, not your wife, not your kids, not your parents, not your friends. You. You, you are the only one that can determine your destiny. You are the only one that can yield to what you feel in your heart. You are the only one. We can give opportunity. We can help create environment. We can preach. We can plead. We can cry. We can do all of that, but we cannot force you to respond to God. We cannot make you yield to the Spirit. The only Thing, the only person. Why do you think Peter said, save yourself from this untoward generation? Everything about this generation, everything about the, the environment outside of these walls, everything about the life, that the world that you're living in is untoward. That means it's not going toward God. It's trying to get you from God. 
And as long as you live your life wrapped up in an untoward generation, you are constantly walking further and further and further away from God. You're not walking toward him. You're walking away. Everything this world has to offer pales in comparison to what God has for you. I don't care how much money. I don't care how much acceptance. I don't care how much notoriety. Everything this world is trying to offer you pales compared to what God has in store for you. You alone can determine your destiny. You have to respond. I said it earlier, the only reason God hadn't snuffed some people out is because he's full of mercy. There, I firmly believe, I have, I, I, in, not only in this revival, but I have been in other revivals where I, I literally could feel the spirit reverberating off of certain people. And the only reason God had not dealt with them yet is because he's trying to save their soul. That's happening right now. The only reason there are people in this room under the sound of my voice, the only reason you're still here is because there have been people praying for you. Your pastor has been pleading for you. And God says, I'm not going to move yet. I'm not going to move yet because he's trying to reach you. Hear me. The Lord, the Bible says, God is long-suffering to us. Not willing that any should perish. If God had his way, every person that has ever lived would make it to heaven. God wants everyone. God did not create humanity to live apart from him. That's not the plan of God. That is the result of disobedience and sin. That is not the will of God. In fact, when God made hell, he made it too small. Because the Bible says hell hath enlarged herself. There's more people going to hell than God ever thought would go. God doesn't want anybody to live apart from his presence. God is a God of mercy. If anyone misses heaven, it's going to be because they did not accept the last plea that mercy gave them. Nobody will go to hell without God trying to stop them. Nobody. There are people here, the preacher has preached the word, uh, and God has reached, uh, and God has pled with you, uh, and God has pulled at you, uh, and you've walked out those doors, uh, and you have snubbed your nose at God uh, time and time again. Uh, you hear me. It's never too early to respond to God, but there will be a day when it's too late. Says, I'm going to turn it. They keep denying me. They keep denying me. Let me tell you, there's still there, there's one place God can't see behind him because there comes a time in your walk with God there comes a time in this life where you reject and you reject and you reject and you reject and God says I'm not going to reach no more I have tried I have pled I have begged I have asked and they have turned their back on me time and time again and he will turn you over to a reprobate mind God will say you want to live that life you live it but it's not going to be without him reaching for you one last time. Judas came to Jesus. After Judas betrayed him, the, the, the symbol, the, the, the sign, the kiss was given. And then Jesus looked at him and said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Jesus knew. 
The purpose was already established why he came. But you see, I firmly believe he was testing Judas's heart. And if Judas would have asked for forgiveness at that very moment, you cannot convince me otherwise uh, that mercy would have forgiven him. Mercy. I believe what you're seeing is one last plea for mercy. Mercy was reaching out to Judas. Even after what he did, even after the mistake he made, even after everything that happened, mercy was reaching out to Judas one more time. You know what that tells me? Even after the life you've lived, even after all the failures and all the things that you've done and all the mistakes you've made, mercy is here this morning. And he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. I'm going to reach out to you one more time. God is here this morning uh, trying to reach you. God, I I want somebody to catch the soberness uh, of what I'm trying to convey. I'm not here preaching hype uh, or preaching fluff. I'm here reaching for somebody's soul. Uh, I saw in prayer this morning, uh, God is trying uh, to stop you uh, from destroying your life. got to understand is when it comes to your destiny, the difference maker is the direction you take. The difference between Judas and Peter was not in what they each did on the outside. We see very plainly they both were guilty of betraying Jesus. They both had made the mistake. They, They both had walked down that road. The difference that determined their destiny was the direction they took afterward. Judas ran from God. Peter ran to God. That was the day that their destiny was decided. That was the day that earmarked and changed their life. Judas, after realizing his mistake, he ran away from God. But Peter, after realizing his mistake, he said, I'm going to run to mercy. You got two options. Hear me this morning. You got two options. You can walk out that door, and in doing so, you are sealing your fate because you're walking away from God. Or you could say, you know what? I'm not going to let all of my mistakes cripple me. I'm going to run to God this morning. I firmly believe that his arms are stretched out. I firmly believe that he's hoping and he's waiting and he's watching because you can change your destiny today. In the Old Testament, they had what they called walled cities. These were cities that if an enemy was trying to attack or kill someone, that victim, the person who was under attack, could run to that walled city. And as long as they were running to the city, then all of the soldiers and the people of that walled city would fight against the enemy and would protect that person because they were running to the place of refuge. But if they ever decided that they didn't like it in that city anymore, and they left the city, you read the Word of God, it didn't matter if the enemy was outside the gate. Those people would not defend them because they were running away 
from the city of refuge. The difference is direction. When you're running to God, God will do everything he can to protect you, to fight against the enemy, to keep you. But when you turn your back on him and you start running away from God, then God says, you're on your own. You're running away. Why do, you, why do you think the scripture said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom will I trust. That's why Proverbs says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe because there is protection. There's protection. The difference is direction. What direction are you going to go? Are you going to run to God? Or are you going to run away from God? When you're running to God, God's going to do everything he can to protect you. God's going to do everything he can to help you. The best decision you could ever make this morning is run to God, is to run to the city of refuge, is to embrace the name of Jesus. You better understand God knows right where you're at. God knows right where you're at. I I recently spoke with a preacher. He told me the story. He was pastoring up north in a city. And there was a young church, a startup church. And they needed to rent a place. They needed to rent a place that they could share and have different services, different times of services. Found a place and and they began to share this this local assembly, they used to begin to share their building, and they would take turns having services. So one day, the, the pastor came up to him and said, I want to tell you something. He said, uh, I'm going to tell you how to grow a large church. I said, okay. He said, you've got everything right doctrinally. Holy Ghost is real. All the stuff that you believe is real. He said, but you, if you'll drop the name part you'll grow a church because people don't want the name of Jesus. They don't want that preaching. I said, I'm sorry. I'm not going to drop it. That's, that's foundational in everything that we believe. We baptize in the name. We believe in the name and all this stuff. This rocks on, and we're, we're covering a span of, of many years, probably eight to ten years or, or, or somewhere around there. One day he come up to him and he said, I need to tell you something. I said, what? He said, uh, I'm a closet tongue talker. This was a totally different denomination. He said, I got the Holy Ghost. He said, but nobody knows it. My wife doesn't know it. My family doesn't know it. My church doesn't know it. Because if it ever comes out, then I'm going to lose my church. The man would come to church on Sunday nights. He had a Sunday morning service, and he would come to their their church on a Sunday night. He He was faithful. Never made any move. And one day, a preacher was preaching. An evangelist was preaching. And he gave a prophetic word, and he said, there is someone here in this building that God has brought you to these group of people for a certain purpose. And if this day you do not take upon yourself the name of Jesus, you will be cast into the streets and with no place to go. Man, never move. And God was reaching. It wasn't, I believe, he said two weeks later, the church kicked him out, changed all the locks on the church. 
He had no home. He and his family was on the streets of a metropolitan city. But it wasn't without God trying to reach him. God never stops reaching. God wants you to turn your life around. God wants you, hear me. You may think I've messed up too much. You may think you're worthless. You may feel like you're standing in a pile of ruins. You may feel like you're in a pile of rubble. I've come tonight not to end this on a low or this morning, but to tell you that there is hope because surely Peter felt the same way that you feel. He denied the Lord three times. He was ruined pretty much in his mind. He, he was standing in a pile of rubble. All of his dreams were shattered around him. All of his faith it looked like was crushed. And he was standing in a spiritual pile of rubble. But here's what I find so uh, comforting is that even the rubble can't stop the rooster. I read, I read a story yesterday. It was by J.K. Garrison, and he was told the story about Samuel S. Skull, who settled on a farm in the Arizona desert with his wife and his children. One night, there was a fierce desert storm that struck with rain and hail and high wind. And at daybreak, feeling sick and fearing what he might find, Samuel went to survey their loss. The hail had beaten the garden and truck patch into the ground. The house was partially unroofed. The hen house had blown away and dead chickens were scattered about. Destruction and devastation were everywhere. While standing dazed, evaluating the mess and wondering about the future, he heard a stirring in the lumber pile that was the remains of the hen house. A rooster was climbing up through the debris, and he didn't stop climbing until he had mounted the highest board of the pile. That old rooster was dripping wet, and most of his feathers were blown away. But as the sun came over the eastern horizon, he flapped his bony wings, and he proudly began to crow. You see, the rooster never crows at the end of a thing. The rooster only crows at the beginning of a thing. And God put that rooster in Peter's path, not to signify it's the end, but to signify, Peter, you may have messed up. You may have made mistakes. You may be standing in a pile of ruin, but Peter, today is the beginning of something great in your life. You hear me stand with me all over the building this morning as the musicians come. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how many times I messed up. You're right, I don't. I don't need to know. God sent me here this morning to sound the alarm. Today does not have to be the ending for somebody. But today could be the beginning of something great that God wants to do in your life. Today, God could erase your mistakes. 
Today, God can turn your life around. Today, God could do a work in your family. He could do a work in your life. You don't have to walk out of here the same way that you came. You don't have to leave with the same burden and the same identity and the same mistakes plaguing you. You don't have to. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I need somebody to help me pray. I'm fighting in the spirit right now. I'm fighting in the Holy Ghost because there's some spirits that are bowing up in this place. I need some mamas and daddies to get a hold of God with me right now. I need somebody to get a hold of God with me right now. You're going to decide your destiny today.